0: Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. We have been in a series called Free Indeed. Um, Back in the middle of, uh, I think it was the middle of August or the beginning of August, I was praying about what the Lord wanted me to preach on next and, and this is the message, this is the series that he actually dropped into, into my heart. And so we've kind of been following this, and what I believe um, is happening in this season, we are in a season where the Lord is highlighting freedom. He wants you, Jesus wants you to be free. He wants us to walk free. And I believe there's a special grace uh, at this time, uh, in this season, to break free from any and all chains that are holding you back. Whatever it is that's holding you back, I believe there's a special grace to break free from any and all of those chains. Um, And I just wanna say, so this is part seven. I think this might be the last message. I'm not 100% sure. We'll see here in a couple of weeks if if the Lord gives me something else on this or if we're gonna move on. But um, I think this will be the last message. Um, But I would just wanna say, if you've missed any of the previous messages, um, you can go back to citylights.church. We have archives on there, um, so you can listen to that. Or you can go to um, our podcast and you can listen that way. Galatians chapter five, verse one, it says this, it is for freedom that that Christ has set us free, okay? Why has Jesus set us free? For freedom, freedom. he set you free because he wants you to be free. He's created you and I to be free and to walk free, okay? But then it says this, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burned again by a yoke of slavery. Okay, what I wanna highlight again with this is it is possible where Christ has set you free to be burdened once again by a yoke of slavery, okay? And that's what we've been talking about in this series, how to get free, break free, and stay free from any and all forms of bondage, okay? And so if there's something holding you back, let's embrace the season, let's get free. Okay, so today, um, I feel like this message is, um, it's kind of an unusual message. we talk about being free. I wanna, I wanna kinda hit on something that it isn't taught head on in a lot of churches, um, but I think it's a very important subject. A lot of churches will approach it kind of in a roundabout subject, but I just kinda wanna go after it head on. And here's the problem. The problem is many times we're trying to break free from whatever it is we're struggling with. Old habits, sinful nature, worldliness, fear, condemnation, whatever it is. Okay, by the way, condemnation is bondage. Regret is bondage, fear is bondage, right? <clears throat> Many times we try to break free from whatever it is and we've applied all the tools, we've tried all the, you know, the things, we've tried to be obedient and we still come up short. And I wanna say today, one of the reasons that we come up short sometimes is because there's a literal demonic influence that tries to keep us in oppression. Okay, so I'm, I'm today I wanna actually talk about the, the role of the demonic influence that tries to keep us oppressed, okay? Now, um, if, by the way, if this is your first time to see Lights Church, we don't talk about demons every time. Um, <laughs> next week, we're talking about marriage, so there you go. Come back, hear about marriage, it'll be lovely, okay. Um, for me, I even feel like it's kind of a, an awkward message a little bit, but it's very biblical, Um, It's very uh, much something that even Jesus highlighted in his ministry, and I think we would be amiss not to touch on this subject. Um, I don't remember who quoted this first, but um, um, maybe it was Jack Hayford, I'm not sure. But he said, uh, you can't disciple a demon, and you can't cast out your flesh, right? Many times the problem is there's the demonic influence trying to oppress us, and you can't disciple a demon, what do, you, what do you do with demons? You cast them out. You get rid of those suckers, right? You don't want those things hanging on to you. Okay, cast demons out. Um, what about the flesh? Well, the flesh, um, you can't really cast your flesh out, but there are tools to you not know, take off the old nature, and you, but you can disciple a Christian, right? You can disciple a believer into walking free from the sinful nature, right? So you can't disciple a demon and you can't cast out your flesh. So if the problem is demonic, sometimes people are stuck and encumbered because literally, it's like, I've tried all these tools, I've done all these things. Sometimes it's like, you know what? There's a spirit. It's a spirit. And I need, to, I need to know how to take authority and command that spirit to leave, okay? And so we're gonna go there today. And... Uh, going to be good. Okay. So I believe the Lord has led us to this point, And I believe this is um, a subject we just, we need to hit on. I will say in our, our, our Western world, our Western mindset specifically downplays really the role of the supernatural in general. Okay. And the role of, you know, angels and demons and this, you know, our Western mindset is kind of resistant um, because we're very, we're very material. We're not, um, that's just kind of the Western mindset. And so um, so, I, first of all, I want to say that there is a healthy way to approach this subject, okay? And it's possible to get into the ditch on either side of the subject. And so I want to talk about the ditches real quick, okay? The first ditch is denial, okay? If you don't believe in it, you don't believe it's there, it doesn't affect you, you're in the ditch on one, on one side, okay? The other side of the same uh, road is people who are hyper-focused, there's a demon under every rock, right? <laughs> okay. Um, that is also error. We don't want to be so demon focused that we're not even like thinking about God, you know? And sometimes, listen, there are, you know, demons, demonic forces in this world. And I don't know that we're supposed to even focus on them all the time. Sometimes we just go about praising God and those things, um, you know, they'll just fall off. So, so C.S. Lewis said this. He said, Satan loves the skeptic and the superstitious alike. Okay, so it's possible to get over in superstition one side of this, you know, one side of this road in the ditch, and it's possible to get over into, uh, you know, skepticism. So the deniers and the hyper-focus, there's two sides of that. So we wanna be, what do we wanna do? We wanna be on the road. We wanna be right in the middle. What are we looking for? We're looking for balance. So here's the balance approach, I believe. They're real. The demonic is real. Satan is real. But God has equipped us to confidently, listen, confidently deal with those things. We don't have to be afraid of those things. Listen, I'm not afraid of people coming into this church who have stuff, okay? Like we want them here, right? Like We want them to come here. It's not gonna get on you, right? Unless, unless you're, I don't know, unless that's your belief system. If you hug someone who has something, it's not gonna get on you, okay? We're not gonna get afraid here, right? Let's, let's hug people, let's love people. Greater is he who lives in you, Right, than he who lives in the world, okay? So we want people here with stuff. We want people here with issues. And I, I think, um, for the most part, this is like the first wave of, of City Lights Church. Let's get all y'all free, and then when more people come in, you can lead other people into freedom, amen? Okay, so we're, we're uh, focusing on freedom. To drive this point home, um, I wanna show you this reality from the life and the ministry of Jesus while he walked the earth, okay? Um, When you look at uh, the ministry of Jesus, there was quite a bit of emphasis placed on the fact that there is an opposition of darkness in this world. Okay, in the Gospels, um, there's about 40 separate miracles that Jesus performed. Now, of course, we know that wasn't all of the miracles Jesus performed because according to John uh, 21, Verse 25, it says that if everything was recorded that Jesus had done, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to record all of it, okay? So he did much more than these 40 miracles that are specifically um, listed in the Gospels. Um, But what I want to show you is out of those miracles, how he dealt with the opposition of darkness, okay? If If you subtract from those 40, all the miracles where he wasn't directly ministering to a person, okay? So for example, when he turned water into wine, multiplying bread, walking on water, walking through walls, killing fig trees, you know, that kind of thing. If you subtract all of those, you're left with about 27 miracles where he was directly ministering to individuals, okay? So I found this interesting. Of those 27 miracles, about a quarter, about 25% of the time, he was addressing some kind of demonic spirit. He was he was rebuking or driving out some kind of demonic influence. Like 25% of the time. Now, um, I don't know in our lives like what the ratio is of like things we pray for for people, you know. But you know, what if it's 25%? Like I think our I think that's um, our Western minds don't think like maybe 25% of what we're dealing with um, sickness, disease, depression. Financial issues, accidents, like, we don't usually think, I wonder if 25% of the time that's what's actually happening in our lives, right? Okay, so I say that to say um, it's maybe more than what we think because of our Western mindsets, okay? So um, let me read a couple scriptures just to kind of drive this point home, and then we'll we'll get into some application here. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse uh, 32 through 33 says this. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. Okay, And now the crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever happened in Israel. Okay, Now in this particular instance, they said this, this man was demon-possessed and couldn't speak. Jesus drives out the demon. He didn't, even, he didn't even pray for healing for this person. As soon as he drives out the demon, the man could speak. So what was going on there? What was happening was that demonic spirit was causing this person to be mute, causing this person not to um, be able to talk, okay? What's my point? My point is that sometimes, it's, this person didn't need discipled, you know? This person didn't need all the keys and the tools and this and that. Like, he actually just needed this thing to leave. He needed someone to come along with authority and say, be gone in Jesus' name. That's all he needed in that instance. He didn't, he didn't need, you know, our 10 key, our 10 steps that we often give, okay? He needed someone to recognize, oh, that's what this is. Boom, be gone, okay? Let me read one more scripture. Um, Luke 13, uh, 10 through 17, it says this. On a Sabbath, ooh, uh uh-oh, he's doing stuff on the Sabbath. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, woman, you are free from your infirmity. Okay, then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work, come on them and be uh, come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. Personally, I would be pretty stoked that a miracle had happened. And then, it, you know, oh don't no, you're working on the Sabbath. Okay, verse 15. Okay, verse 15. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? okay. When, the people, uh, when, when he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing, and I would be too. Okay, what's, what's the point? In this instance, there was a demonic influence. Jesus actually didn't address the demonic influence, but that's what was behind, that's what, that was what was keeping her crippled from being able to stand up straight. In that instance, he didn't, even, he didn't even address the demonic thing. He just said, woman, you'd be healed. Now, we know the demon had to leave, right? They obviously had to leave because that's what was keeping that woman bound for 18 long years. I, I show you both of those examples because sometimes we need to speak directly to things as they are. Now, we have to be careful. We have to be careful. You know, if you see a snake, like in the spirit, you see a snake wrapped around someone's head, you don't have to tell them, you know, just, just God, thank you that there's a greater level of freedom in this person's mind that you want to give them. Are you dealing with any depression or I don't know you know what I mean (laughs) whatever the Lord shows you sometimes you don't have to say what's going on we don't want to embarrass people other times it's like you know what this is a spirit boom let's speak to this thing and and get it to leave right Right. Okay. so don't have to always address the spirit to get it to leave but sometimes you do okay so is all sickness the result of a demon no not all sickness maybe maybe 25% I don't know according to like the life of ministry Jesus I don't know if that's the correct ratio or not but certainly not all sickness, not all accidents, not all poverty, right, is a result of demonic. But some is. There are some pockets in the world where literally people are in poverty because there's a demonic spirit of poverty in that region. And, and sometimes those things need broken. We're doing this Awaken the Dawn thing, right? What are the spiritual strongholds in Greeley that need to be broken? We're gonna go after those, okay? There are certain parts of the world they have different strongholds. There's d- different uh, demonic principalities that are trying to control that region. And through worship and intercession and through Christians enforcing the victory, yeah. you can bring the kingdom to this world. This world. Amen? Yeah. That's why prayer is so important. That's why we have to not just know we're victorious, we have to enforce the victory. Yeah. Okay? What if, what if we had a police force here in Greeley? And we could have, we could have the biggest police force there is. But if they don't actually like, enforce the laws right? They're not really doing anything, okay? We have to enforce the victory. We have to know how to do that, okay? It's really important for us. Okay, so before I get into what we're going to do today, we're going to talk about how to close the doors to demonic things, okay? How to close the doors. I'm not saying you're demonized if one of these doors is open, but we're going to talk about how to close those doors. Before I do that, I just want to address a frequently asked question, and it is this. Can a Christian be possessed by a demon? Okay, this is a frequently asked question, and I will say this, this is certainly not something that you're going to get a consensus on. Like, if you go down the street and knock on these churches' doors and ask a pastor, you're not going to get a consensus. In fact, even just studying for this message, I, you know, I went to a few different ministers and pastors and watched their sermons, people that I respect, and even the ones I respect don't always agree. So you're not going to get a consensus specifically on whether a Christian can be Possessed or not, but there is a consensus. I'll I'll show you here in a second. So, here's my explanation. Here's what here's what I think, and this helps explain how this works in our lives. You are made up of three parts. You have a body. You have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And you have a spirit. Right? Okay. When your spirit gets saved, you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior your spirit is perfected forever, okay? Hebrews 10, 14 says that. Your spirit is perfected forever when you place your faith and trust in Jesus, he comes in, okay, so like no room for improvement. This is The way your spirit is now is the way it will be for all of eternity. There's no room for improvement in your spirit, okay? Now listen, no demon can touch that. No demon can touch that spirit, no demon can come in and occupy that space, okay? That is God's forever, okay? That's like the holy of holies, no one's getting in there. Okay, what about your soul? So your spirit is saved. Your soul is being saved, right? In other words, your soul, your mind, will, and emotions is in process. My mind, will, and emotions is in process, okay? Uh, Your mind is your thoughts, your reasoning, right? You need to renew our mind. We need to renew our minds. Your will, how many know your wanter? Your wanter needs saved. (laughs) Sometimes your wanter, the things you want... You need to get saved. <laughs> uh, okay, we're gonna go there. I wanted some things in my life that Jesus didn't want for me, okay. Okay, your wander needs saved. What about your emotions? Okay, this should be a slam dunk. Like, our, our emotions, listen, emotions are good, they're from God, but they, they're not meant to lead, they're meant to follow, okay? Then they will lead you astray. So don't let emotions lead, you lead emotions. They're good indicators of how you're doing. God made emotions, emotions aren't evil or bad. They can lead you astray, though, okay? So our emotions are being saved. So mind, will, and emotions, that's our soul. The realm of the soul is being saved, okay? This is where discipleship happens. When we disciple believers, we're being conformed to the image of Jesus. This is where it happens, in the realm of the mind, will, and emotions, okay? Okay, and then what about your body? Your body, your spirit is saved. Your soul is being saved. Your body will be saved. Someday, in heaven, you will get saved. new body which is awesome right especially the older you get you're like looking forward to that new body right (laughs) i could do things when i was 20 i'm I'm, uh i'll be 39 this year getting close to 40 um i could do things when i was 20 and recovered faster from you know workouts and stuff like that recovered faster when i was 20 than than now so i'm even kind of looking forward to you know a new body you get a new body in heaven okay And yes, God heals us along the way, and yes, we need to be good stewards along the way. Um, So the realm, the realms that Satan will try to mess with you is in the realm of your soul and in the realm of your body, in your mind, will, and emotions, and in your body. Okay, remember, he can't touch your spirit. So can demons possess your soul or your body? And I will say this, not in the sense of ownership. Okay, because how many know God owns us? First Corinthians 620 says that we are not our own, we've been bought with a price, right? Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Okay, not in the sense that a, a demonic influence would own us, <clears throat> in that, um, but I would say um, in the sense that they would try to exercise control or manipulate you, yes, they would try to occupy that space, to manipulate and control you, okay? So I think a better word, a better word than possessed, actually, and I don't even think possessed is a good translation of the word in the Bible. I think a better, a better word is oppressed, okay? For sure, <laughs> for sure, demonic influences in Christian's life can try to oppress you, can try to get you to do things or, or keep you in bondage, keep you in chains, okay? Um, so a better word to that might be oppressed. And oppressed is just um, subject to harsh and authoritarian treatment, all right? And so, um, let me, I'll give you an example of this. I I think it holds water. Um, Here's my example of this. If you, in your house, you left your front door wide open, okay, we're talking about some open doors today. If you left your front door wide open um, and a thief walks by and he's like, the door's open, you know. (laughs) He comes into your house and he's in your house, like the thief is in your house. How many know that the thief, he doesn't own your house? He's in your house, he doesn't own your house, okay? So not possession in that sense, but in the sense that he's gonna mess with things. He's gonna try to steal things. He's gonna, John uh, 10.10, the enemy comes only to kill, steal, and destroy, right? So listen, if, if, if uh, Satan gets into your life, he's not gonna tidy up. He's not gonna come in your house and straighten things and leave a blessing and a gift basket, <laughs> you know? <laughs> if he gets in there, he's messing things up, for sure. Okay, so, so whether that's one foot, you know, in our lives, um, we can open the door to oppression, for sure. And whether that's from one foot away or five feet away or, or in, you know, in, in the realm of the soul, the point is not necessarily is in you or outside of you. The point is that it's oppression, okay? It's control, it's manipulation. These things want to master you. They want to gain mastery over you, okay? So Jesus wants you free, amen? Jesus wants all of us free, okay? And so I wanna to talk today about a few of the, some of the most common doors that we leave open, okay? Some of the most common doors that, that we struggle with that people leave open um, for oppression to come into our lives. Again, if you have one of these doors open, this doesn't mean you're demonized, okay? But it does mean you have an open door. There's possibility that these things can come in. And I, I was talking with Pastor Bill this week, because I asked him this question, and he said they, um, they call them clean ons, demonic spirits, clean ons, because they clean on you, you know? So we wanted the clean ons off of you, all right? Okay, so I'm not saying you're demonized if you have one of these doors open, but be careful if you do have one of these doors open because Jesus wants to set you free. Okay, so there's four doors I wanna talk about. Door number one is the door of fear, okay? The door of fear. If you have this door open in your life, it, there's a, an opportunity for the enemy to come mess with you, okay? Or the door of anxiety, all right? Now listen, fear, fear is not your friend, okay? And fear is not okay. And I think sometimes we justify fear. I think sometimes, for example, like you don't want your kid to cross the street or fall into the river or, you know, whatever it is, you're trying to keep them safe. So instead of like teaching them a healthy, like, no, you need to have some respect for this, you actually put in them a spirit of fear. Okay, there's a difference. There's a difference between training up a child and wisdom and, and teaching them like right and wrong and this is safe and this is unsafe and like you drill on them so hard that like they actually grow up with a spirit of fear for that thing. For example, um, how many know there's a difference between teaching your daughter situational awareness? Like, hey, you know, be aware of people around you. Don't walk down the dark alley at night, right? That's situational awareness how to defend yourself, that kind of stuff. There's a difference between that and placing a spirit of fear in them that like you're gonna get mugged and raped everywhere you go, right? Those are two different, those are two different things. But I think we, we justify a spirit of fear. Why? We want to, we think it's self-preservation, we wanna protect, right? Okay, um, there's a difference between teaching your kid water can be dangerous. They need to respect water if they don't know how to swim, of course, or there's a river, There's a difference between that and and teaching them like, giving them a phobia of water, a phobia of undertoes, right? That's different, okay. Many of us live in perpetual fear. Um, And and let me show you how subtle this might be. Um, A fear that the economy is gonna crash. What if you lose, my 401k loses value? What if I lose my job? Fear of failure, fear of loss. What if this person dies? What if I get sick? I mean, some people are seriously burdened all the time. Like, what if I get cancer? Like, what if I get sick? They're burdened constantly by a spirit of fear, and it's not okay in our lives, okay? So listen, maybe it's time some of you stop watching 24-7 news cycles all day, right? Because I'll just tell you, like, Okay, they don't just report the news. They're, they're reporting fear because they know it'll grab your attention and then you'll watch the commercials and they're selling advertising, okay? I, I think it's, I think it's, it's uh, sometimes I'll watch the news and it's like, man, I just feel anxious. Why do I feel anxious? What's going on with me? I'm like, oh, I just watched the news for, you know, 30 minutes. That's why I feel anxious. I'm, I'm all for being informed. Like, I like to be informed, but there is sometimes you just need to take a break from that thing and go for a walk, Amen. Okay, Um, and then there's the news alerts, right? Like, news alert. Whoa, what's going on? Something big's happening. Did North Korea just launch one at us? Uh Uh-oh, what's happening? Like, no, Prince Henry just landed in Pennsylvania. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care if Prince Henry landed here. Why is this a news alert, you know? You got me thinking, we're in World War III, you know? That's not even our gossip, it's their gossip, okay. So, Fear and anxiety are open doors for pressure in your life. If, don't tolerate fear. Um, now, I want to give a couple personal examples of this so you can see how even a pastor has to like process and deal with stuff like this, okay? Um, lately, just this past week, I, just, I had some anxiety rolling around in, in, my, in my heart. And I'm just feeling anxious. And I know anxious isn't good. So I'm not supposed to, you know, I didn't come from God. God's, God gives peace, right? And I just felt like, I told my wife, I feel like I'm... Redlining. I feel like I'm just like revved up, redlining. And I'm not, honestly, I'm not busier than normal. I'm not doing more than I normally do. I don't feel like I need like a big rest or anything, anything like that, but I feel anxiety. And um, I just feel like I'm redlining. So, so I'll just say this metaphorically. I had a check engine light on, right? You ever have that happen? You have a check engine light come on? So I went to the Lord and I was like, okay, God, I'm, I don't even know what's going on. I feel anxiety. What's happening in my heart? And by the way, many. Um, when you have a check engine light on, you should check out why you have a check engine light on, okay? <laughs> if you ignore that for too long, your car will break. That's a metaphor. And I will say if you ignore it too long in your own life, you're gonna break, okay? So if you have a check engine light, you have high anxiety, um, the worst thing to do is just to numb. A lot of people are just numbing. Why do I, why do I, oh, I have anxiety. I'm gonna take a drink or take a pill or whatever it is, okay? They're numbing. When you have a check engine light on, what you need to do is go to God and say, God, help me understand why I have a check engine light on. Why am I, why am I feeling this? So I, I went to the Lord, I said, why am I feeling anxiety? And I just I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, you're not trusting me. You're not trusting me. And um, you know, we tr- I trusted God for lots of things, but I got to a point where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm not operating in trust for him, okay? So what happened is I became self-reliant and when you become self-reliant, then you start putting undue pressure on yourself and you, start, you actually start putting pressure on people around you as well, okay? When you're not trusting God. And that's what he, that's what he showed me, okay? Um, if you have a check engine light on, go to the manufacturer and be like, God, why do I have this check engine light on, okay? This is like maintenance, okay? This is maintenance, this is good. We all need to do this, okay? Because we live in this world where things try to come on us and... We need to to maintain. You can trust God. Obviously, we can trust God with our future. We can trust him with our future. We can trust him with our finances. We can trust him with our our businesses, okay? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Anxiety is not from God. Okay, so that's door number one. We wanna close the door of fear and anxiety. Okay, door number two is the door of hate, okay? This is another door that opens you up for oppression in your lives, okay? Unforgiveness, bitterness, envy, jealousy, strife, hate. It, it's, all of that signals to, to the opposing force of darkness that it's open season for oppression in your life, okay? We don't wanna let these things operate in us. Um, I'll, I'll give another personal story since I have the microphone. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, and I'm, so this week I, I was doing some maintenance. Maintenance is good, okay? So in my own heart, um, I'm, I'm praying, and I felt like the Lord says, hey, um, it's been a while. You need to kind of go down the list and make sure that you've forgiven everyone in your life, okay? So um, I pray, and I realize there's a few people that I've been treating, treating a little bit differently in my heart. And the Lord says, you need to forgive them. I hadn't, I hadn't fully released them. And I think this is what happens, actually. Someone does something, and you're, we're so busy that we're not like you know, deal with it, forgive them, move on. Sometimes we're just so busy. It's like, okay, whatever, they hurt me. I'm just, all right, I'm not gonna deal with them anymore. You know, and we kind of move on. You start dealing with them. You start treating people differently in your heart. And the Lord showed me, like, okay, there's about five people. Just, you need to go down the list and you just, you need to totally release these people and and give forgiveness, okay? Um, This is, and totally release them. This is really important for us, guys. Because this is look, this isn't like a you problem. This is an everyone problem. Okay, I'm a pastor. People offend us sometimes, and we have to go through those, go through the list or whatever. Oh, this person said that. Well, God, thank you. Um, They didn't mean you know, maybe they didn't mean that, or maybe they maybe they had different intentions, or maybe they just don't know who they are and they're acting outside of you know who you've created them to be, and that's why they're hurting people. You know, because hurt people hurt people, right? Okay, so um, I I forgave people even this week. And it just hadn't been a while. I hadn't even thought in my mind, oh, maybe there's a few people I have to totally release. Why? Why did I forgive them? Why did I want to release them? Because I don't want a bitter root of unforgiveness to spring up in my heart to open the door for oppression to come into my life. For sure, unforgiveness will bring oppression into your heart and into your life, okay? So if you have a check engine light come on of resentment towards the other person, it's time for some maintenance. You need to go to the manufacturer and have him help you have him help get rid of that, okay? <clears throat> okay, so that's door number two, the door of hate. Door number three is the door of sexual sin, okay? Fornication, which is sex outside of marriage, adultery, pornography, sexual perversion, these things leave a door open for the enemy to try to oppress us and come into our lives, okay? It's a big deal. First Corinthians six eighteen through twenty, uh, Paul says this: "Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, whom is in you, uh, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own; you were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. One of the ways we honor God with our bodies." is by not engaging in any and all sexual activity that we feel like our wanter wants, right? <laughs> Come on, that's good stuff. So listen, some of you, some of you need to close this door in your lives, okay? Some of you need to close this door. Here's the good news, Jesus can help you close that door. Jesus, and then he can get the condemnation off of you, because a, there's a guilt cycle. When you mess up, you stumble. The guilt and shame is not the cure, The guilt and shame will lead you to more messing up and more indulging in the sinful nature, okay? So you gotta get guilt and shame off of you so you can get free from this stuff. Um, Sex is an amazing gift from God, right? But like any powerful gift, it can definitely be misused, okay? So we wanna shut the door of sexual sin in our lives, okay? Door number four is the door of the occult. Now, this might seem obvious, like, for, for you guys. There's the obvious ones, like, if you're worshiping false gods, if you're engaged in like things like Wicca, like, okay, are, there's a door open in your life, okay? So if that's you, you repent and let Jesus heal you, okay? God will help you. But I would say this, the door of the occult, it's actually anything that you give yourself to that is not God is actually a form of the occult. Anything you give yourself to is the form of the occult. Um, for example, Idolatry. Anything you idolize above God is idolatry, right? Okay, you can do this with people. You can idolize people. You can idolize your spouse. You can idolize your your child, right? Your boyfriend, your girlfriend. You can idolize people. If you put them above God, that's that's a form of idolatry. It's and it's in that category of the occult, okay? You can have an over-obsession with a hobby, right? A hobby or money. You can idolize money, you can idolize a leader. It's possible to even idolize a pastor or a church, right? And then you put undue pressure on the pastor and the church to be God for you, right? When you only have one God. God is God, amen? Okay, so giving yourself to anything other than God is a form of the occult. Um, Giving yourself to drugs, when you take drugs into your life. And I will say this, from people I've talked to who work in inner healing and work in deliverance and that kind of stuff, they say that one of the number one things that opens people up to to oppression in our lives is psychedelic and hallucinogenic drugs, okay? We need to be good stewards of what we're letting in our body, okay? So these are these are the things that will open the door to oppression in our lives, okay? Or overuse of alcohol and that kind of stuff, okay? And uh, that's the fourth door, okay? <clears throat> so I hope you're kind of taking inventory. I'm not saying you're demonized if you have one of these doors open but I am saying let's close these doors so that we can we can expel you know anything that's trying to come into our lives and hurt us, amen? Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, And find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.